Hey, it's Tasha. And this is your girl, Ryan. And this is the Conscious Addiction Podcast. Get into it. Hello, loved ones, <laughs> beloved. Adele. What'd you say? Adele. Adele. Is that you? I said hello. <laughs> Everybody got jokes this week. Okay. That's okay. Okay, let me stop. Hello, guys. Welcome to another shift of Conscious Sedation Podcast. We're so excited at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. See y'all. Please, can y'all tell that we have had a long day? I don't know about anybody <laughs> else. But this last 30 minutes of trying to even get online has been, baby, listen. We're old. And I am not technologically inclined. And we couldn't log in. We could log into <laughs> this, but then we couldn't go live stream on Facebook. And we were struggling. I just had to clear my history. And then voila, hey, magic. <laughs> I see my friend Deb is on. Hi, Deb. Hello. We're, you know, late as usual, so maybe kind of waiting for other <laughs> no people. No surprises there. <laughs> At least we're consistently inconsistent. <laughs> you know that that that's factual information, despite our best efforts. Despite our like last week, we were like, okay. We're going to be on at 8. And you text me at what? No doubts. You're like 8.15? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Because <laughs> sometimes the people you're picking up your food from be tripping. And they be late. Or, you know, people work late. Your kids in the background crumpling paper. <laughs> you know? It's just... So, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, yesterday we were guest hosts. Uh, or guests, we weren't hosts, but we were guests on another podcast, Captain Hunter's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a black man kind of doing his thing in the podcast world, talking about all things black culture. Uh, it was pretty cool. And he's an ex-cop, so that's what his show is about. He tr- he said he tries not to talk about that all the time, but um, he definitely mentions those sorts of things on his yeah. show about you know, being a cop in the community. And um, he had mentioned yesterday trying to kind of bridge the gap between the community and the police as a way of, I don't know, forming some kind of partnership. I don't know that that would ever really be in real life. But yes, he asked us to come on and speak about what it was like. You know, I put hashtag nurse life and covid and what all of that was like, but our conversation took like a lot of different um, branches and turns. We didn't really talk much about COVID like specifically itself, which was the reason that he initially said that he wanted us on. So, I mean, I enjoy that though. Yeah. I I thought it made the conversation. It was like really organic. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. It was interesting, of course, to talk about ourselves and, you know, was what's up how you guys get started with the podcast and how did you get into nursing and that kind of stuff you made me very very proud i was like my friend's so smart um when you're talking about you 
makes you proud now? <laughs> Listen, what I say? I'm about to end the meeting. <laughs> what I say though? <laughs> what I say? Nothing. You know, you were just in your groove when talking about lactation and when he asked you about that and why that was even necessary and yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it was um, it was a good show. I thought. Um, you guys, I had my child in the background for like the first 30 minutes and she was living her best life. She unpacked an entire ream of paper. Um, she scattered toys everywhere despite having her favorite YouTube on. She didn't care. She came up to the mic and she gave a shout out to her mommy and daddy on the mic. (laughs) Extremely mortified. Um, but I did give a disclaimer at the beginning and said that I was momming. You did. So, but you know, I feel like is. we need to get out of the space where we have to give disclaimers. Mm-hmm. Like as mothers, as parents, hey, that's that's what's that's life. That's literally a part of life. So like we shouldn't have to give disclaimers like as though it's not business enough or it's not professional mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. or it's not. I mean, you're at home. Your children are expected to be there, right? And so if we hear them in the background, it is what it is. True. You know, I'm just one of those people. I'm an undivided attention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just. But she wasn't disruptive, though. It wasn't like. No, she wasn't crazy. Yeah. No. Because she very well could have been. She didn't scream or anything. (laughs) I was really excited about that. Yeah. She did get a hold of like, okay, so. Years ago, me and one of my really good friends used to go to the Colts games and they had this one souvenir that's a horse head and in the like the mouth of the horse is this sound like a neigh. Uh-huh. And it's really loud and obnoxious. And she did get a hold of that. I snatched that thing out of her hand so fast. I was just like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're not gonna do. <laughs> we're definitely not gonna do that. You already crinkling up paper and that is what we are on the mic but yeah and one fell swoop i was like she got close enough to me i was like give me this that's funny but yeah so yeah that's what we did yesterday um what are we supposed to be talking about tonight Um, mental health mental health and i killed a spider (laughs) don't mind me (laughs) with your fingers no with my with my recorder paper. <laughs> I was about to say, you gully. Right. Where's the right? <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Don't ever do that again in life. <laughs> Just killed a spider. Something's wrong with you. Anyway. Huh? We're talking about mental health and the black community, of course, as always. As always. Um, and it may look like our mental health may be uh, on the verge right now, but we, you know, we're holding it together somehow. Ryan, that's you have debatable, any... but we're still standing. <laughs> is that is that all it takes? It's the alternative. True story. The way twenty twenty is going is an accomplishment. This is true. That's true. So yeah, okay. did you have any um, any highlights from our last show? What we talked you about? Want to do the mindful moment first, or you want to do everything? Hmm. 
Sure, we can have a mindful moment. <laughs> Would you like to go? <laughs> you, you're real yes. shouldery. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I am mindful of, I have two things. The first thing I'm mindful of is that here in Indiana, um, it, there is a definite changing of the season that is happening. Um, you can completely feel um, autumn being upon us, even though, you know, I like to get all my days of summer. I squeeze them all out and summer is not over until the end of this month. Happy September, by the way. Today's the first of September. So a new beginning, new, um, you know, a chance to press the reset button and start over. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm mindful of, even as the seasons are kind of starting to blend together um, from summer to autumn here in the Midwest. Um, it's, it's that same thing. It's that same kind of like the newness of a new season. I try, you know, here in the Midwest, we get all four seasons. And so I try to always welcome the new season as it approaches, even if it's not one of my favorites. Autumn actually is my favorite season. Um, but of course we know when autumn comes that winter is not far behind and that is probably my least favorite season, but there's always something to gain, right, from every new season. And there's something um, special about every season that comes as it comes. And so I'm just mindful of that. Um, this year has been interesting, to say the least. And so summer wasn't what a typical summer for me and my, my daughters would typically be. But we made it. And this new season is approaching. And there's like, I, the, the wind is different in the autumn. And I just can appreciate that, the newness, that fresh wind. And so I'm mindful of that. And then I am also mindful today, I was, so my girls are home, they're doing e-learning. I've talked about this before. And of course I'm in school. So internet is like our complete life right now. Like we depend on it probably more than <laughs> anything else, any other, um, you know, commodity or whatever, amenity in our home. And so the girls are like, ah, oh, I can't log on. And I'm like, what's going on? So I'm trying everything, passwords, log off, sign out, clear your browser, do all these different things, turn the power on to the internet, turn off, <laughs> all these different things. I'm, I mean, for this is like two hours of this. Like I'm having my oldest daughter help me. Like, does this work? Does that device work? Is this what, can you log in from here? So I'm ready to like, <laughs> let AT&T have it. And? Did you, did you pay your bill? <laughs> See, what had happened was... And I was like, I mean, I should be current. I mean, I didn't get any notifications of a service interruption or anything. And he says, I can direct you to... <laughs> Even with your to our payment center um, so that we can restore service. So I promptly get on my phone, just make a quick payment online. And so what I'm mindful of is the blessing it is to just have a need and be able to like, you know, it be met. Um, it wasn't that I couldn't afford to pay the, in, the internet bill. It was that I really had just forgotten to pay it. <laughs> I was ready and to so, go off. I, I mean, I was like, listen, internet is life around here, okay? And it was just so funny because the girls are all frantic. And I said, y'all, after I paid it, and I was like, is it working now? I mean, it immediately restored, like, within seconds. And I was like, is it working now? 
And they was like, yeah, it's working it on here. I was like, y'all, I'm so embarrassed. And they were like, why? I said, because I forgot to pay the bill. <laughs> and they were like, that's okay. Like, they were cracking up like, mommy, like, you know, you forgot to pay the bill. And I was like, that is so silly. And they were like, it's fine. You know, it was like, you know, they made it like it was no big deal, but which it wasn't. But um, I'm just mindful of the blessing that it is to, um, to, to have been able to just, just pay it. It was, it was. <laughs> just stroke a check. Cause, cause you have yeah. not paid that bill for a couple months. Yeah, it was like two months. <laughs> and I'm just using the service like it's like I just expect it to work, like the water, like just turn on, like it's just supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm mindful of that, and then I'm also mindful that I was able to like you know tell my daughters that because a lot of parents would not have shared that. A lot of parents would not have shared that with their children. And I'm completely just as a, just as transparent as I am with you guys. I am equally transparent with my daughters, um, age appropriately, of course. But um, and we were able to laugh about it, and it was no big deal. So that was my morning. <laughs> well, good for you because I surely um, did not think you were going to say that. <laughs> that you told the truth about what happened. I'm like, see, we fixed it. Right, <laughs> mommy's <done>. a hero. <laughs> <laughs> And been done. I wouldn't have been able to be like, yeah, I ain't paying a bill. Yeah, you got um, to, though, because that's life. I mean, hey, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not there. But that way, they don't grow up. And when they make these mistakes, think that it's something wrong with them. I know, but it might have to be another mistake that I own up to. Probably not that one. I don't know. <laughs> Especially after you troubleshooting. Trouble like, it was like 10 o'clock. Like yeah, it was like two hours. Yeah, yeah. That was just had me like egg on my face. <clears throat> it is, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. Players mess up, right? <laughs> that's hold up, but that's not. Is that the saying? Players mess up too. It's it's players f up, but yeah. Okay, all right. So something <laughs> wasn't like I was like, that's no. That don't sound that's right. Not yeah, it. it's, it's that's not it. all. That's yeah. not all. I was trying to keep it PG. <laughs> right, because I don't want to have to check that box that we have explicit, explicit content. content. Yeah, hey, Swin. Swin just got on. Um, hey. I'm mindful that Swin's episode is becoming part of a lost archive because, y'all, I have worked and worked and worked to get his episode that he so graciously gave us his time um, uploaded, and it is on SoundCloud. So if you want to listen, go ahead, head over there. But for whatever reason, tech, I cannot get it to feed over to Anchor. Well, I know the reason, but I'm working on other ways to get that done. But anyway, um, this week, I am mindful that I feel like I am more in tune to my body and listening to my body. So um, this morning here in Georgia, it is not feeling like autumn at all. It's really feeling like the thick of summer. And um, me and my walking buddy usually meet up around nine. And so I text her and said, hey, you know, I'm in today if you are, um, but I might be a little bit late because I was still trying to get my baby breakfast and stuff like that. And she was like, okay, I just rolled out of bed. Let's try 945. The difference that 45 minutes made, it was hot out there. And so... By the time we had gotten to like the place where we walk, we walk around the school a couple times, go to a track, walk around the school a couple more times, and then walk back home. When we had gotten to the school and gone around the first couple times, 
I was like, man, it's hot out here, you know? So we went to the track, did whatever it is we do. And I was standing there like, my feet are like on fire. Like, I felt like my feet were hot in my shoes. And she was like, yeah, it is kind of warm. And then, I mean, like not two seconds later, she was like, it's hot out here. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know. And so then when we got done, she was like, so you want to go around again, you know, a couple more times? I was like, no, because I have to get home, mm-hmm. you know. And so at that point, I was feeling spent. You know, I was really feeling like I had given all that I could give to this workout at this time and in this moment. So I was like, you know, I got to go home and these heels of Georgia are not about to be playing with me. And I'm pushing a baby in a stroller, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm going home. So that's what I'm mindful of today. And just... um glad that I could be in this space where I extend myself grace and other people grace too to be like you know what Mm -hmm. nah you know it's not gonna work so yeah yeah that's important especially as we get older I think that's super important because we change as we get older our bodies change and what we need changes and how far we can push ourselves changes and so I think that's super important yeah and I only brought like my bottle of water. I didn't bring a snack or anything like that. I was like, yeah, no, it's hot out here. I'm heading home. It's 45 minutes later that we decided to get out here it has made a huge difference. And so, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was about to bro man slow bop all the way home. I was like, people going to be looking at me like I'm crazy. But I literally was saying to myself, pick them up, put them down, like one foot in front of the other. It was tough. To get there, yeah. Yeah. It was tough. But well, yes, you still got it in a little bit. I did. I did. So I was proud of myself for that. I felt like drained the rest of the day because, you know, heat does something to you. <clears throat> I think the sun can kind of take your energy or zap your energy mm-hmm. um, faster than normal, too. And can we be feeling kind of like ugh, for the rest of the day? So I do feel like I was a little bit um, kind of sluggish. But I did nap <laughs> when my child napped. I laid down and napped with her you know, went about the rest of my day. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm mindful of this week. Did you listen to last week's episode? I was able to get it uploaded. I ain't listened to it. I ain't gonna lie. I listened to a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we talked about um, Black Breastfeeding Week and why it was yes. so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we were yapping. Like, I know. For real. I could not even believe that shift was this long. <laughs> was it I know long it, it was long. It was longer than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. And I mean after we had we had a conversation like how did me, you, and Tiff make it like less than an hour, hour. sometimes mm-hmm. each time? But um last week I really enjoyed the conversation about black breastfeeding week and why it was important for us to breastfeed in our community. Um I do laugh about uh, Mario's comment about what I thought breasts is was for men's. This whole oh time. man, <laughs> you know, Lord Jesus. Uh, yeah, but it's been fun for me just watching like the social media and seeing all of the timelines and stuff like that kind of flooded with, you know, BBW twenty twenty and yeah. stuff like that. So I've really enjoyed that. It was completely lit this year. I mean, like, I feel like this is, you know, like I said, we, you know, it's been 
this is the seventh or eighth year for Black Breastfeeding Week. And so mm-hmm. still fairly new um, in its infancy or whatever. And so um, I've, it's, it's been amazing to watch it grow in terms of the number of events that happen around Black Breastfeeding Week. And so my timeline was the same. Like, I mean, all my people, all my my breasties were having mm-hmm. events. I mean, every state, several cities, several events in one city. Like, it was incredible. And then because of COVID, um, every, a lot of things were virtual. So a lot of things that maybe weren't, would not have been traditionally virtual, they mm-hmm. were. And so we were all able to kind of like pop into each other's stuff and listen to this or, you know, participate in that. Or people had photo contests and just all kinds of different things to like kind of uh, celebrate and rally around Black Breastfeeding Week. So I agree, this has probably been one of the better years in terms of the number of events and how many people were participating and even just, you know, breastfeeding moms knowing that it's Black Breastfeeding Week. And I think that's really cool. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can appreciate too a lot, lot, lot more imagery of Black breastfeeding mothers like yes. everywhere. Yes. I actually um, saw a call out. My pictures. What'd you say? I said maybe they can retire my pictures. <laughs> because they've been. They're 10 years old. Yeah. of the earth. Yes. But I actually gotten a call out from um, some local organization asking about like um, breastfeeding shoots and stuff like that. And there was so much of a response that they needed to expand. I haven't heard back from them just yet, but I was just like, yeah, I'd like to be a part of it because why not? Yeah, I think I you should. I'm get a picture. I done shared my body for <laughs> Yes. And it's, I mean, it really is incredible. I said they should retire, not they should, but they can retire my pictures, but not because I don't love to see them, but because I almost feel like we've used like me and my daughter's photos so much. It's almost cliche now, like use pictures from women in your local community. Like, yeah, you can use my pictures or the pictures from the campaign that we did here in Indiana, but use, you know, it's so many black women breastfeeding, like Get those, get pictures of those women from your local community. That way you can say, these are women from our city or from our Mm -hmm. county or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and promote breastfeeding that way. And then, yeah, you get maybe a free photo out of the deal. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us don't take pictures of ourselves breastfeeding. So we don't have that memory of, you know, when we, when we latch our babies. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, it maybe speaks to a bigger, maybe issue, quote unquote, because for people who are in the community and working with the community, that should be an easy thing to get. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, I, and I would find that to be more meaningful and I would find so much more pride in that to be like, this is a mom that I worked with and I helped her and blah, blah, you know what I'm saying? And, but you know, and yes. we also have to be careful with that because a lot of times people, particularly white people will exploit black people and take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not pay them. So mm-hmm. yes, get pictures of black mamas breastfeeding, but pay them in some mm-hmm. capacity for their for them for those photos that you're going to use to promote your business or mm-hmm. hang up in your birth center or whatever. Pay black yeah. women, black mamas, black birthing people. Yes, yes. Well, um, so this week we're going to be talking about mental health and black mental health specifically. And um, it had occurred to me that we had spoken about many aspects of COVID. We kind of did an update and then that following week talked about the pandemic itself and um, different aspects of it. And then we talked about being pregnant in a pandemic and Mm -hmm. returning to school in a pandemic. But we had not mentioned mental health 
And I think that that is an arena that we are all in or subject to at this point. Like not everybody's pregnant, not everybody's sending their kids to school or having to think about that. Mm-hmm. But we are all um, impacted as far as our mental health. So I thought it was important to bring that up. And we have an inbox report um, that this came through a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this came through a couple weeks ago, but I didn't mention it because um, not that it wasn't relevant, but there were other things that were pertinent to our topics that week. So this is pertinent to the topic this week. This comes from Damara. She says, um, mental health, (laughs) comma, um, seek it, embrace it, delve in and do the work. The stigma surrounding therapy within Black communities seems to be decreasing. And I would agree. You know, I feel like there's been a whole lot more talk about mental health in the Black community and not so much that stigmatized, Mm -hmm. negative connotation type of way. There's been an embracing of people saying, yeah, you know, me and my therapist talked about and um, I hired a therapist or I went to a counselor, we did couples therapy or whatever. Right. And it's more spoken about other than like mar- premarital counseling, you know, right. that's something you're like, oh, okay. I've even heard people talking about getting their children into play therapy and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that's an interesting perspective because I feel like, you know, Demira may feel that way and you may feel that way. And even I do feel that way too, but I think it's because of the people that we surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, and it's, I think it's also very pertinent to people of our generation. I still think that we have generations on both sides of us where um, mental help or mental support, mental therapy, whatever you want to call it, um, behavioral therapy, <laughs> taking medication, it's mm-hmm. it's still very much stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And so, although I agree that I think we are kind of, kind of turning the corner on it a little bit in terms of the number of Black people, we, we may have more Black, we may be <laughs> landmark in terms of how many Black people are seeking therapy and taking care of their mental um, well-being, but I still think we have so much work to do in the Black community. I think that's even, even within the realm of what is stigmatized and what's not stigmatized, I think therapy may be becoming destigmatized, but I still think we still have lots of stigmas um, tied to diagnosis, right, and medication, and things beyond therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I still think we have so much work to do. Sure. I'm, I'm just happy to hear the conversation happening. And I, um, I think, too, that therapy or counseling has kind of moved away from people seeing it in the traditional sense, like um, you go to a psychiatrist type right. thing. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yes. Um, which is still very he- heavily stigmatized. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I feel like people are embracing just even saying the word. You know, I saw a clip on Insta where it was a, a, um, a group of Black men speaking. They, I don't know if they were doing a podcast or YouTube video or whatever, but this guy was talking about how he was preparing to um, have a baby and how he was just completely 
unprepared and terrified mm-hmm. in that he was not excited about his baby coming into this world and that he needed some serious help. And so he was very open and vulnerable to speak about how he, you know, he's like, hey, I had to go sit on somebody's couch and, you know, I felt so much better afterwards. And like everybody in the room, all the other men in the room congratulated him or was like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that's what's up. You know, so it wasn't what it usually had been or what I had grown up thinking it was like, oh, shit, you about to have a nervous breakdown? You crazy? You know, that kind of, <laughs> you you know the terminology that we use. You know so-and-so had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> You're like, okay. It happens, but it I has to be like, one last week, so. I mean, but you know, that was the only indication that people ever needed a, a mental health professional in their lives is that they were on verge and on the verge of a mental break Mm -hmm. and that's just not that's just not true that's just not true at all no because we're all jacked up and we all need to go talk to somebody we all are jacked up we have all had experiences especially in our childhoods even if you think that you had a really happy childhood or it was great whatever Um, we all have had experiences in our lifespan that a, a traumatic experience, a bad experience, right? That mm-hmm. we just pushed through. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it, or maybe we talked about it, but not to the depth that we should have talked about it. Um, and we just pushed on through. And so then all of our life choices from after that point are a lot of times as a result of that. Some things were good, some things were bad, some things we could have done differently, some, you know, whatever. And so we all need therapy, like every human mm-hmm. <laughs> needs to find themselves on somebody's couch or in front of somebody's camera during COVID, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So that you can talk through stuff. It's stuff that comes up. I've been in therapy consistently for almost two years now, <laughs> okay? Yes, I'm proud mm-hmm. of myself. I have Good been. for you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And even now, there are things that come up. You would think, there are times when I'd be like, I mean, I think I'm done. Like, I think. I'm cool. I'm good. I mean, we got it all out and I'm good. And then we, I go to my next session and I'm for sure about to fire her because I'm done. <laughs> and then. So we were going to break up today. Yeah, we were going <laughs> to. I can't, I had practice what I was going to say in the car. Uh-huh. <laughs> Had rebuttals for anything she had to say like I was ready to graduate and something comes up and I'm it's like a never ending <laughs> you'd be like god I really kind of messed up <laughs> I'm yeah. so much better but there's so much that we don't deal with that we don't some things we don't even remember until something happens and it you triggers. know jar, yes it triggers you or jogs your memory you'd be like damn that did happen to me or I do remember that and that did affect me um and it's not all bad stuff some stuff you remember that was good that had a positive impact on you but you still might need to work through it and peel back some of those layers to figure out why you are who you are right now in this moment yeah I definitely call it Pandora's box I feel like okay. um like Hunter. people huh <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait. Look, I'm like leaning over to my phone. See, this is why I cannot this have the live up on my phone. Is that wheezy on the wall? Here we go. Goodbye, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> log off. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I call it Pandora's box. Like, 
Um, there's a saying that I really like that I had to learn early on. Perfection is a direction, right? So like you never achieve perfection because it's just not going to happen. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel about therapy. I feel like it's ongoing. Self-work is ongoing. There's always going to be um, something that pops up that challenges you in a different way to expand and to evolve and to Mm -hmm. grow and to change, you know, there's always going to be those opportunities. And I love the idea of having someone who is a non-biased party, you know, listen to me talk about my worldview and Mm -hmm. then, you know, not in a bad way, poke holes in it, but to be like, now, You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I've had a therapist once, one of my favorite, favorite therapists. I wish he had never relocated, but I, you know, went and I was telling my whole life story about whatever or talking about a specific situation and my summation of things. And she was like, is that true? You know what I'm saying? And these are three words. Is that true? And I'm like, well, duh, just told you, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's true. It's my truth. <laughs> Right. But she challenged what my truth in that moment. And you like, your truth doesn't mean it's the truth. The, you know, and hey, there's ways that's the one that yeah, <laughs> that we can play ourselves, right? When it comes to moving through this world and and how we um entertain other people in relationships. And mm-hmm. so um you've spoken openly about therapy. How did you come about finding the right therapist for yourself? That's a really good question. Um, So I don't even know that I have a good answer for that. Um, So I have done therapy bodily in my life, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I try to do therapy with my daughter's father when we were (laughs) on the brink of a... (laughs) the end <laughs> last ditch effort okay <laughs> last ditch effort and um you know it didn't work out when I wasn't even I, I don't even know why I went because I was already done and mm-hmm. so I was just going just for the sake of saying that I went and tried everything right mm-hmm. um and so I tried to go to therapy again like again very spotily typically <laughs> when my life was blowing up, when <laughs> it was in flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, never found anyone who I felt like would one, be completely honest with me about me, right? And about their perception. Like you said, is that true? Mm-hmm. And I never felt like I vibe with somebody who was on the same or similar plain energy wise spiritually wise right with with what aligned with what i believe um the truth to be about that whole realm mm-hmm. and then i um i never 100 percent felt safe with anybody that i saw spotily probably for those two reasons right um and so I, this, the lady I'm going to now was like a referral from one of my friends. She started going to therapy. Um, she started first going with her husband and then she started going individually. And she's telling me about her all the time and tell me about her sessions and how like, oh my God, all this, these light bulbs that were popping off for her. And I was like, you need to give me her number. And this is around the time that my mom had passed away. And so, or was sick. No, 
think she'd already passed. But when my mom was first diagnosed with cancer, I promised myself Mm -hmm. that I would seek therapy. Like once we, especially like I should have went when she was first diagnosed. (laughs) I should have went years ago. But (laughs) when she first got diagnosed, there was just no time. You said what? Mm-hmm. You need help. You, I should have went years ago. Yourself. You're just backing yourself up. Yes. You look like a therapy person in that moment. Like, okay, all right, I'm lying. Okay, I'm lying. Let's okay, I'm lying. Yeah, should have went back. JK, yeah. hold on. I'm yeah. not being honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, yeah. So anyway. Um, yes, so, but it was, there's no time when she first got diagnosed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it was like, and like mm-hmm. I said, from diagnosis to when my mom passed was less than six months. We were just mm-hmm. a couple weeks shy of the six month mark. So it went really quickly. And so that was a lot to digest in a short amount of time. And I promised myself that I would go to therapy then. And fast forward a year later, I was ready. I was, and I had, I could, I might cry. <laughs> um, but what I did was, I busied myself. I did every possible thing I could do to grieve without grieving, for real, okay? Run that back later, because y'all catch it later. So (laughs) I did everything. I mean, I picked up like two extra jobs. I, you know, on top of all the volunteer stuff I do and all the boards I sit on and all the, I'm president of this and all these different hats I wear. I went out and got two more jobs while I'm raising my three daughters by myself. I was like going crazy. And um, I, but, so I was ready. And I think that's important too, because I think that we have to find ourselves in a place where you're not just ready to go, but you're ready to receive what's there. Mm-hmm. And I think I had just reached a place, a pivotal place in my life where I was ready to see me. And ready to fix whatever it was that I didn't like that I was seeing in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, when you see things about yourself, sometimes we just, right, put on some mascara over it. We put a little blush on top of it. We put a little lipstick on. We keep moving. And uh, I was kind of sick of doing that. And it, it wasn't mostly it was about the grief. I went to therapy because of the grief. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be 100% transparent. We have yet to talk about my mom in therapy. I mean, briefly, we've, we've, we skirted around it. But there's so much other shit that I needed to deal with, that I needed to, to work on, and I need to heal from, that we haven't even gotten there yet. But I feel 100% better. Like I told you, I was, I was ready to graduate. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Um, so anyway, revived. Um, she's the person who aligns with what I believe spiritually um she allows me to challenge what i believe and also what she believes if she puts something out there and i'd be like i don't agree with that you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying and that's cool i feel safe um to be a hundred percent myself which i think is um completely important she's black right okay start Mm -hmm. there she's black Mm -hmm. um and i just think that she gives me room to make mistakes and she gives me room to grow, but she also ain't taking my stuff, which is not true for a lot of people in my life. <laughs> boss Ryan don't exist. There. What'd you say? I said boss Ryan don't exist there. Yeah, I can't run no game. I can't wear no masks in there. I, I It is, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. And I, I, I need that. 
Um, and so I had therapy today. <laughs> yeah, right on. I think it's important, um, just like any other relationship, that you find someone who you have good chemistry with. And um, if you have good chemistry with them and you kind of see eye to eye, like Ryan talked about how she found someone whose beliefs align with her personal beliefs and she feels safe in the space. I think it's important. So I've been in therapy like you, Ryan, multiple times in my life, um, always during a crisis moment. <laughs> and um, I never really end up talking about why I'm there either, like somewhat, but of course, Okay, so this is funny. When you go to therapy, right, if and ever you guys go, you'll go you for this go. crisis reason. You should go. You should go, not because you're in crisis, but if crisis lands you there, then that's okay. Um, but usually you'll go there and you'll be like, I'm in this crisis and I'm having this situation and this is what brought me here. And your therapist is going to be like, okay, um, tell me about your upbringing. Right, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> you're going to be like, a bitch, did you just hear what I said? I said that I was in crisis and my heart is broken and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you want to talk about my childhood? You know what I'm saying? Like, this so is... True. Okay. So, it's funny. It's funny now <laughs> that um, I can look back and they will briefly touch on, like, why you're there and be like, okay, and then we'll shelve that and we'll tell me about um, your childhood and how you grew up and, you know, what your family looks like and this kind of stuff. And so I think just in that, starting at that point kind of brings up all of this different stuff. And mm -hmm. um, of course, everything is everything. It's all connected. And so you end up getting to why you're actually there in therapy, um, but not for the reasons that you thought. <laughs> you probably thought it was because somebody else. But um, yeah, so my, the first time I went to therapy, I went to a therapist that was provided through work and she was an older white woman and she basically <laughs> co-signed what? Who said <laughs> Mario? <laughs> who said what? I'm like, who said what? Because <laughs> I can't look. He said, um, well, first he said two extra jobs. Like what the hell? Two extra. And then yeah. um, he asked what spiritual differences um, y'all had I guess he's talking about me and my therapist, the other ones that I didn't agree with or didn't stay with. And then he says, and I would like to know, are the things you all thought was the problem centered around men? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, I would say, okay, so I've been to therapy at four different times in my life, right? So the first time, like I said, I, this older white woman who I saw and she kind of just co-signed everything I said and was like, mm -hmm, yeah, you're on the right path. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't get anything out of it. The second time I went to therapy, um, this therapist was like a kindred spirit to me. She was amazing. I met her doing um, volunteer work, like a mentorship program through a, that other program. And she had come in to kind of talk and do some mentorship with the girls that we were working with. So we were working with teens, 14 to 18 in high school and so like just the way that she would interact with them and she basically would be in therapy with them <laughs> but me and other mentors who were in the room would be like can somebody pass the tissue like this is me I'm, she's speaking to me or whatever so I ended up um, reaching out to her after relationship drama 
Um, and so I ended up becoming her client or being under her care for probably a couple years. And we did get to the point where I didn't, I mean, I didn't fire her. I wasn't ready to break up, but I did go to her and was like, um, you know, I made an appointment today and not because anything's wrong, but because everything is great. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it did feel really good to get to that point with her. She ended up relocating when I was in Indianapolis. She got married and left and all of this, but um, I do really miss that relationship. And then the third time I was in therapy was after I had my daughter. Um, So I had a really, really traumatic birth and I'll talk about um, this sort of thing, but um, I had a lot of anxiety after I had her Mm -hmm. and PTSD. And so I ended up, I was like, okay, I need to see somebody. And the reason that I knew that was because I would have a physical response anytime I either thought about having another baby or my honey mentioned having another baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have palpitations. I, you know, increased my breathing. I would sweat. I would cry. Like, and I just knew that that wasn't a normal quote unquote response to, um, grow my family and I'm someone who always 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 wanted to have more than one child Mm -hmm. but you know I would have vivid flashbacks and memories about how (laughs) my birth story had gone and it was like really really jarring for me Mm -hmm. and so I knew that if I wanted to grow our family that I had to deal with this, you know, and, you know, whatever this was. So it turns out, of course, I was having PTSD and a lot of anxiety and that showed up in physical symptoms. And so I knew that I needed to do something about that. Um, And then this last time me and my honey were in counseling, um, just because we, you know, are not perfect and don't have a perfect relationship and felt like we had some things that we needed to work on in order to bring us closer and to ultimately get to our goal um, a a lifetime of a relationship and being married and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so with her, like (laughs) our therapist was super duper eclectic. Like she was just all over the place. She, for me, she was Mm -hmm. all over the place. And so, um, when I'm in a vulnerable space, that doesn't work for me. So like she had um, maybe missed a couple of our appointments and we had some miscommunications and I was triggered by her. Um, She reminded me of the relationship that I had with my father. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, you know, I can't do this. So I, you know, went to my honey and said, look, this is how I'm feeling about this. I am not going back to her. (laughs) You know, you may go if you think that she is helping you in any way or you guys have chemistry or connection but I cannot go back to her you know and so he was in full support of me and thankfully he had never been to therapy before so I was kind of pissy with her that this was his first like exposure to therapy and anybody who knows me knows that therapy is my jam and I love it and I'm always championing championing going to therapy but I was like man I hope he's not soured off of this or whatever um as a result but he was like we can go to somebody else like he didn't even say okay we don't have to go back he was just like we don't have to see her we can see somebody else Mm -hmm. you know so that was my point in bringing up the question to you ryan is that in any relationship you do have to make sure you have chemistry and it's not always a one-time deal 
Mm-hmm. Like you go to a therapist and if you're just not dropping with them, find somebody else. I don't think you should neglect your mental health or what it is that you're seeking in that moment just because you didn't find the right person on the, the, the first try, you know. Um, definitely look up credentials and see where their specialty lies. So when I was looking for a therapist after I had my daughter, I looked for people who dealt with trauma and um, post-traumatic stress specifically. And I looked for someone who dealt with birth trauma Mm -hmm. so that I knew, you know, that they would get where I was. So I had a black woman, she was a mother. This is where her expertise was. And it was a higher chance of us being able to click, you know, for her to be able to meet my needs. Mm -hmm. I would also add to that, that give it more than one session because not vibing with the therapist after one session could sometimes be you and your anxiety in this new environment, this new setting, being uncomfortable telling your truth to a stranger, right? And so give it two, maybe even three sessions before you decide if you actually have good chemistry with that person or not. Because it could just take a minute, just like meeting anybody else, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. takes a minute to build rapport and build that um, trust where you can even kind of really genuinely, truly assess what the energy is mm-hmm. or the chemistry is. Now there are times where once is enough. That's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, that mm. is true. There are times where once is enough. Like just like going out on the first date, you're like, mm, nope. That's true. And that's okay too, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes, yeah, if you are new to therapy, it's important for you to be able to recognize what's you and what's them. But that's all, you know, part of a therapy journey. So anyway, yeah. Um, I was looking up some statistics, of course, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of a stat girl and I want to see numbers about what's happening. So during the pandemic, there was a study that had come out that um, <clears throat> polled races um, in 2019 about their anxiety and depression levels. So from January to June of 2019, Black folks were sitting around 8, 8% for both anxiety and depression, okay? Um, From May to June of this year, 2020, we went from um, 8% to 34% of us have anxiety and from 8% to 30% of us have depression or are experiencing depression. And this is as a result of COVID and um, racial tension and trauma that is happening in this world. And so, Um, I kind of wanted to speak to what anxiety and depression looks like in us because it doesn't always present the same way as it does for our, you know, other non-Black counterparts. It looks very differently a lot of times for Black women and Black men, just the Mm -hmm. same. Um, So you have, you know, your regular kind of stuff, like you lose interest for depression, you lose interest in stuff that you used to be interested in. You have interrupted sleep patterns. You can be agitated. Um you're not interested in eating, you gain or lose a bunch of weight, you you don't have any motivation or energy, and then you can have physical symptoms like headache, stomach ache, nausea, muscle pain, you know, and, you know, not to pick on fibromyalgia, but as soon as I read muscle pain, I was just like, hmm, I wonder about that because fibromyalgia is one of those very, very vague um, diagnoses that's out there that people experience this immense body pain and nobody can really pinpoint where it's coming Mm -hmm. from. Um, So yeah, those are some of the things that depression can look like. And then 
Um, anxiety can be a um, tachycardia or fast heart rate, butterflies in your stomach, chest pain or tension. You guys have probably heard it before. Somebody had an anxiety attack and thought they were having an, uh, a heart attack mm -hmm. or it looked like that. Um, <clears throat> or an asthma attack. Yes. Yep. Um, you feel afraid or irritable. You can have compulsions. So, you know, say with COVID, if you're a germaphobe or something like that, you're washing your hands constantly. I know I just washed my hands, but then let me make sure I got everything, you know. So anxiety can show up like that. You avoid places that um, trigger you and make you remember a trauma mm -hmm. or you have nightmares, flashbacks, and very vivid memories about something that happened previously. Um, so I heard, too, that with Black women, depression can show up as, um, like, anger, um, overdrive, like, you know, some Black women kick into overdrive if they're depressed, and it doesn't really look like the typical picture of what we see, how people withdraw and isolate and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Any That's interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, I think this is true for Black women especially, but I think it's true for Black people. Um, we don't get a pass. Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to take a day off. We're not allowed to be sad. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of the societal norm or that expectation, um, mm -hmm. whether it's learned behavior or an expectation we place upon ourselves or society's placed it upon us, whatever it is. It's, it's like the societal expectation that... So it makes sense that a black woman would kick in an overdrive mm -hmm. if she's feeling sad. Cause you're like, I ain't got time to sit down and be sad. I got to keep moving. Mm -hmm. I got to do this, do that, you know. Mm -hmm. The strong black woman mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, what are some stigmas around mental health you think that, that kind of stick around in the black community? I think that there's a stigma that it's a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that is perpetuated, unfortunately, a lot by our elders. Um, like I will always talk about when I experienced postpartum depression, I had elders in my life tell me, oh, girl, you ain't the first one to go through this. You ain't the first mm -hmm. woman to have a baby or X, Y, Z, you know, and like, so it's yeah. almost like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it, it's viewed as a sign of weakness. Um, mm -hmm. I think that um, there's stigmas around, like I said, taking medication, right? Having a diagnosis mm -hmm. and taking medication. I think that because we fear what we don't know, right? So, you know, there's all these different theories about psychotropic drugs or psychiatric medications and what they could potentially do, what the um, side effects are. And there those old psychotropic drugs do have a lot of side effects, mm -hmm. but we've got a lot of new stuff that have minimal side effects that can be equally helpful. Um, I think truly it's all fear-based. Even in the medical field, right? Um, you know, psych, psychiatry is one of the least studied like specialties in terms of like what we know about the mind, what we know about the brain, what we know about these um, diagnoses and then all the medications and stuff like that. It's like one of the least studied things. And so um, actually 
India commented on here and said she's a huge proponent of therapy. Um, she tends to only seek therapy when she needs it like ASAP, but it's hard to, to find a provider mm. who can see her when she's in crisis mode. And so to that, I have two things to say. One is that this that is a clear indication that we need more providers. Mm -hmm. We need more nurse practitioners to go in and take that up as a specialty. We need more physicians to take that up as a specialty. We need more research around it. And we definitely need more Black providers because, right, like everything else, we need to go to somebody we can trust and who's going to be completely knowledgeable about the culture and can, and can and meet us right in that space. Um, but then I also had to say to that, India, that we need to stop going to therapy in crisis mode. We need to start treating therapy, treating our mental wellness the same way we treat going to the dentist, the same way we go to the eye doctor, same way we go to get a physical, or we should be going to get a physical once a year. It needs to be something that we do continually um, to maintain. That way we don't have um, emergencies or crises and then we can't see nobody. So then you never really solve that problem. You just push on through and move right on past it. And I mean, it, there's only so much we can take before mm -hmm. you have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing, but it's not funny. But <laughs> that's just said it earlier, <laughs> And I don't really mean a nervous breakdown, but I mean, but you know, we know what yeah. that means. We know yeah. what that means. You don't have to explain. It's just this. You got to take care of it constantly. It's like, yeah. it should be a part of your thing that you do every year, right? Like we should, I mean, I'm not saying you got to stay in therapy for several years like me. <laughs> Maybe though. I'm just but saying, I mean, you know, if that's what it is. check in. Yeah. Most employers give us what the um, employee assistance benefit or whatever, yeah. where you can go yeah, and get a couple free sessions every year. Use those. Go check in with somebody. Six, I think. Six Go sessions, check in. Yeah. Which are pretty good. Um, yeah. My my one of my therapists said to me that every 3,000 miles or however many miles your car recommends an oil change you just take it right and so how is it that we can treat an inanimate object more carefully than we do our own selves you know and then I think a big big part of our society is that we separate the mind and the body mm -hmm. and so people think I'm fine I'm feeling fine, you know, but if you just stop to have a moment, a, a true, like very clear moment, you can identify some things that you definitely can work on as it pertains to mental health. I think, um, like you said, weakness is one of the stigmas or barriers to mental health. Mm -hmm. um, I think the church is a barrier to um, mental mm -hmm. health and seeking a mental health professional if that's what it. you need. Yeah, because Jesus gonna fix it and that's all you need. Jesus I'm, got you. And I'm just take I, Jesus to therapy with me. We're gonna go together. Can you have both? I mm -hmm. mean, I just don't I don't get that. I don't understand why anything that is not religion based has to be like demonic. Um and even it, like there are religious therapists, you know what I'm saying, and people who practice that within the realm, but I really, really do believe that the church, like you had spoke yesterday on Captain Hunter's podcast, how it's the pillar of our community. And if the black church says it's of the devil, don't you go to yoga? You know what I'm saying? Simple, mm -hmm. simple stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think yeah. that is a big barrier to um, being able to take care of your own 
mental health and mm-hmm. support yourself. And so, yeah, like going in crisis is cool and all, but the point of therapy is to provide you with tools so that you either avoid or lessen the crisis in the first place. So mm-hmm. you have coping mechanisms already in play. And that's something that I would say to my honey about um, therapy. I'm like, or even like me and him and one of his friends and his significant other, we were all having a conversation about it because it's this whole, why am I going to go sit on somebody, some stranger's couch and tell them my business? <laughs> and I'm like, that's not really what therapy is. You know, and I don't know where this definition came from if none of y'all asses have gone. How you know what it is? Well, and the whole thing is, but are you sitting on your friend's couch and telling them? Because who are you, how are you dealing with it though? I'm not understanding. <laughs> I, I'm not understanding where that, where that perception comes from. But even if that is the perception, like you are not sitting on someone's couch telling them your business um, so that they can harm you in any way. Like, right. The whole point in you going is so that they can unpack your stuff and figure out what you can learn to unpack it. Yes. Because what what therapy truly does is help you find the way. Nine times out of 10, you having a whole conversation with yourself. They ask you qualifying questions and you'd be like, damn. Like, is that true? Well, I guess this (laughs) is, yeah. (laughs) You are having a whole conversation. You are having a session of enlightenment with yourself. You come to your own conclusions. Nobody's, I mean, it, it's insane how you just be in there really talking to yourself and they just sit there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, think, and get you back on track or like I said, ask those qualifying questions. Yeah, it do be a whole lot of, uh, and you be like, huh? <laughs> and you have to check yourself on, you know, that train of thought. Yeah. But um, another barrier too is cost. A lot of people think that therapy costs a lot and some therapists do cost a lot, but there are many therapists and counselors out here working with you financially. Like literally when I went to my therapist, the one that I really, really loved, she said to me, I want you to write down on a piece of paper what you feel you can afford. And because she feels so strongly about providing a service and providing a service to a black woman, there was not an amount that she was going to deny me the privilege of working with her. Right. Mm -hmm. And she said, you can write down the paper. She was like, you don't have to be ashamed of what that is. And we can discuss it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I literally put, I was like, like, let's not get my note. You know what I'm saying? And I scribbled $50, right? Which is cheap. Mm -hmm. I scribbled $50 on the paper. And she was like, okay. And that was that. And it was the best probably two years of my life for $50. Mm -hmm. Now to me, that was invaluable. Um, But there are plenty of therapists out here who offer a sliding scale um medicaid provides mental health professionals you have may have to dig for one that you like but like it's worth the effort for sure and i mean i had to just really have a conversation with myself about how i can go out to Mm -hmm. eat i can go to the bar and spend you know i mean (laughs) 50 100 dollars no problem Mm -hmm. and i don't 
what what do I have but a full belly, right? Like mm-hmm. when I'm done. So how, you know, and I know that's not everybody's story, but for those of us who that is our story financially, I mean, you got you have to kind of like, you know, figure out where your priorities are and um, do a benefit analysis and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, I mean, maybe you don't go out to eat. Maybe mm-hmm. you put that toward therapy. And like you said, there are a lot of therapists who have sliding scale um, or take, you know, Medicaid or, you know, we'll we'll work with you in terms of how much you can you can afford to pay and I I agree with you I think that's especially true for black therapists because of all the stigma and the Mm -hmm. myths and um that's attached to therapy in the black community Mm -hmm. so we've talked about therapy and how that's a really great way to take care of your mental health um what are some other things that are not traditional therapy that you you feel are just as good or can serve as an outlet, you know, to take care of your mental health? Yes. Yeah, so when I was experiencing postpartum depression, I feel like I've said this before on the show, but um, exercise. I became incredibly mindful of what I put into my body in terms of like my diet. I was very mindful to um, avoid lots of like sugars and processed foods because those things can have an impact on your mood um and i started working out i mean this is after i had my twins so they were babies so i mean i was probably getting like 30 45 minutes (laughs) maybe a couple times a week Um, but that really really helped me i was able to do something by myself i got up every day on saturday morning and did a zumba class Um, i started cycling around that time Um, so that was really really helpful for me because i was breastfeeding them and so i had a lot of fear right around maybe taking medication at that time i wanted to try something more natural first before i went to medication and that helped me Um, i would also say that like yoga meditation and yoga and med- meditation doesn't have to be anything fancy. You ain't got to sit down and like, um, right. But you could just take some time to yourself when you first wake up in the morning to, to be mindful, have a mindful moment and, and just sit there and breathe and be present with yourself when you first wake up. Cause some, so often we hop up as soon as we, our eyes open, our feet hit the floor, you know, and we're just up and we're moving. We don't take a minute to be thankful for the fact that we made it this day and feel our bodies breathing and get our circulation going. You know, you yoga doesn't have to be anything special. Yoga is really just stretching and aligning your body and being present with yourself and being present with your creator. You know, like it's super simple stuff like that that can be um, helpful that are non-traditional. And um, I would also say not isolating yourself because isolation is a lot of times a precursor or mm-hmm. it's a way we deal with when we're already in a, situ- a state of depression or anxiety, we isolate ourselves to prevent ourselves from being found out sometimes yeah. or um, because we don't want to, it's, it's difficult for us to see when you're in a space like that, it feels like the world is moving and you're stuck. And so sometimes it's difficult to be around people who you feel like are moving about and moving past you maybe. And you're like in this space where you cannot move. So then you isolate yourself. So I would say when you want to isolate, do the opposite of what comes naturally to you. Mm-hmm. And then I piggyback on that, like with the isolation thing, like if you have this mentality of perfection or um, strength, 
is very, very difficult for you to allow someone into a space where you are so dark or not yourself. That's very true. And when you said that, I immediately thought of, I want to say my 28th birthday, I literally was in my home, all the lights out. I maybe just had the TV on and I was not answering any calls. And it was one of my darkest, darkest times. And I would not allow anybody in, in that moment, because I could not, I felt like I didn't want anybody to see my ugly, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? My, my deep, dark secret (laughs) and and how I was sad or whatever it was that I was going through at that time. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's interesting. I, um, I can, um, completely feel what you're saying because I feel like I have had similar moments but I have learned to let the people I trust the most in when I'm in that space and even Mm -hmm. if it's just so much just saying like being completely transparent I mean I will say I'm in the dark place people if they say how you doing I'll be like I'm in the dark place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am in the dark place guys Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and the people who who know me and love me, and I trust with that truth about myself, um, you know, and each each of them does it has a different way of handling me delicately when I'm in that space. But they all do their little thing. They all they know how to like do whatever they have to do to let me know that I'm safe and it's all good, and and try to help me come find my way out of the dark place. Mm-hmm. And so um, I that's that's really interesting that for you to say it like that way. Cause I've never, it's like never put it to words the way that mm-hmm. you feel, but that's true. That's definitely how it presented itself for me. I felt like I was in the dark and I was literally in the dark mm-hmm. and that was the only way that I wanted to be. Um, so you said that you exercise and stuff like that. And I was going to say for people who are in the dark place mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, who cannot bring themselves to move their bodies, um, you can start with something very simple, like deep breathing. You know, it doesn't take a lot for you mm-hmm. to be able to take care of yourself emotionally or mentally. And breathing is something that we all have to do. You do it, you know, when you first get to this world and before you leave, it's the last thing that you do. But it's the one thing that we can control. You know, it's an automatic sort of thing, but you can control it too. Mm -hmm. And so your breath has a lot of power um, and grounding power to show you that you are alive and you are here um, and you can um, redirect purpose or, or, you know, think of different things in those moments where you're just being quiet or being still. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's helpful. Like YouTube has a ton of meditation videos, Um, yoga. uh, I love Qigong. I don't do Qigong. I've done it in in like a workshop, but it's an Asian practice where it's imagery really. And you kind of go through different things where you are picturing something happening. So say I'm really um, overwhelmed right now. It's COVID and everything is going on. You can picture yourself um, in a shower and water running over you and all of your troubles and stress running down the drain, Mm -hmm. right? And so these things can work to kind of lift um, some of the pressure that you're experiencing. So that's something else. And then another thing that I started to do to take care of my own mental health was when I wake up in the morning, I try not to touch my phone for at least half an hour. 
um, just because there's too much going on <laughs> or whatever. And then my phone goes to grayscale at 11.15 every night. So it's in black and white. So if I'm playing Candy Crush, which I love, um, it goes to black and white. And I'd be like, whoop, time to go ahead and shut it down, you know, or at least wind down. And my phone goes mm-hmm. to do not disturb. And so that is another thing that keeps our mind like constantly flit, flit, flitting. Yes. And you don't really get a break, you know. And so this phone is not only a gateway to stressors and information and all of this stuff like flooding you you know like ryan you spoke about this how people will tag you in traumatic stuff and nope that's my way Mm -hmm. of shutting it down yeah you know and i can't i cannot participate in that so i've been a champion of my own mental health in that regard so i may not be with a therapist right now but i am taking other measures and modes like intentionally about taking care of my mental health and that looks differently for everybody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know I think you talked about the guided imagery and Qigong where you kind of imagine yourself doing Mm -hmm. different things um you can do that in your life anyway right you Mm -hmm. can you can breathe in whatever you need and then you Mm -hmm. can exhale whatever you're getting need to get rid of Mm -hmm. um you know it you can do it even actually in the shower, right? You can, you can be washing whatever you need on and rinsing whatever you need off. And sometimes I do that. I didn't know it was a thing, I, but I do that sometimes, especially breathing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm like getting my negative self-talk, when I'm like talking myself down off the ledge because my mind is telling me what I can't do, what I won't do, what I shouldn't ever be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will breathe in what I need and then I will exhale all that negative nonsense. Um, and so I think that's, I didn't know it was a thing. Mm-hmm. That's something <laughs> that I did too, because I, I shared this on the podcast because, you know, we talked about mental health some years back, but yes. um, when I went through the mindfulness training that I did, there was a particular meditation that we used and the words were soft belly, right? Mm-hmm. And so at that it. time, those words are very triggering for me because of my own body image and how I felt. And so that's where I started to incorporate, I'm going to inhale what I need and exhale what I don't need because the words soft belly don't Mm -hmm. work (laughs) for me, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so yeah, I I think you can trick it and do whatever it is you need to do. There's apps, there's all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. out there where people can have access and get what you need as far as mental health. And then I don't want to underestimate having, like you said, someone you trust, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to speak to somebody you trust and you may have different friends who serve different purposes, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Ooh, I can't talk to her about this, but I can talk to this person about that. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is a form of therapy too, you know, to just be able to feel safe with somebody you trust, someone, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, will hold that space for you and not necessarily keep your secret, but hold the space for mm-hmm. you because that's what you're looking for. Um, you want to feel heard and seen. And so it's important for us to be able to have that. Even if you say, you know, I don't want to go to therapy. That's not really for me. But, you know, I think we all do need someone, one person at least <laughs> in your life who you can, who you can talk to. can hold our truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I- I also think it's important as we talk about like, you know, um, of course, anxiety and depression or, you know, 
diagnosis or things that we experience sometimes periodically. It may not be generalized. It just may be things we experience directly situationally. Um, but, you know, when we talk about our mental health and our mental wellness, we cannot not talk about stress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the importance of minimizing or doing your best to minimize distress, right? Like there are two different types of stress. You have you stress, EU stress, which is the good kind, the kind that drives us, that propels us to reach our goals or get an A on an exam. That's the good stress. And then we have the distress, right? That's the bad stress, the toxic stress, um, bad situations that come up in our lives or um, relationship troubles or challenges or, you know, a job you hate, that's distress, right? And we have to do our very best, which is difficult sometimes in a pandemic to mm -hmm. <laughs> minimize your distress, but we have to do our best to do that. And I think that two things. One, I think that the, the non-conventional or non-traditional things we talked about exercising and being mindful and breathing exercises, all those things are very helpful to reducing um, distress or helping us to manage it and be able to deal with it in a healthy way. Those are things that we should really probably all incorporate in our lives daily anyway, even when we don't feel bad, we should be doing those things to maintain our mental wellness. Um, but also stress can initiate, right? It can start anxiety or depression, or it can exacerbate it or make it worse. Mm -hmm. Also, stress can like trigger some other things. If you have diabetes, it can make your sugar go up. If you have high blood pressure, it can make it go, you know, be even higher. It can make things that we may already have, disease processes that may be already going on, it can make those things a lot worse. Or it can get you started in a direction that maybe wasn't already there. And, um, you know, you can also have some of those um, physical um, Symptoms. presentations, right, of, of stress. And I can speak to myself, <laughs> like, I woke up this morning perfectly fine, feeling great, got in the shower, got out of the shower, and all of a sudden I could, like, barely move my neck. I could, like, not mm. turn my neck all the way. So I've been wearing a hot pack all day <laughs> <laughs> on my neck because that's a physical manifestation of stress. I don't even feel stressed mm -hmm. but clearly something is going on um went to the dentist yesterday and she was like do you grind your teeth at night and I was like I mean I don't think so and it was so funny because for the last maybe couple weeks I thought maybe I did or I maybe caught myself doing it and I was like well the dentist ain't never said nothing because you'll have like wear on your teeth, right? But I think it's like a new thing, a new manifestation of some type of stress. So I need to be figuring out what the heck's going on myself about stress. But I think it's important for us to recognize you can also have a tummy ache or constipation or diarrhea or that feeling of impending doom or mm -hmm. like you can't breathe Mack truck on your chest or you can have some muscle aches you can be overly tired migraines all these things can just be manifestations of stress and so we need to be trying to reduce stress all of the time because like you said we have so much going on in our life the lights on the phone everything's going on all this information you got COVID, you're doing homeschooling with your children, you know, all these different things that can cause distress in our lives. And we need to be trying to manage it all the time. And that is 
a key component of our mental wellness, even if you have never experienced anxiety or depression or you don't have any other diagnosis, stress um, needs to be minimized in our lives. For sure. Um, I was going to say too, we're talking about anxiety and depression, right? But there's a whole gamut of other mental health disorders and stuff mm-hmm. like that or mental illnesses um and we cannot not state that there are things that can happen to us or around you in your life that can trigger those things so um you definitely have to be careful about what you're consuming and what you're watching so like the racial stuff that's going on right now um those things can trigger mental illness um or covid stuff you know people are losing their jobs and their homes and Homelessness is on the rise. Yes, their families, their friends, those things can trigger. And so what popped into my mind with that was Kanye West. And so I feel like when his mother passed away, that triggered something in his brain. And he's recently spoken about having bipolar disorder and having like that official diagnosis. But I think his mother was his ground. Like, you know what I'm saying? She um, kept him grounded, kept his feet flat. And when he lost her, that triggered, that loss triggered um, his disorder. Now that may or may not be true. That is just my own estimation. And he, you know, like I said, recently spoke about that, but after his mother passed away, I was just like, oh yeah, this is not going to be good. There was an immediate change in him. Immediate, mm-hmm. immediate, you know, and like I said, recently he owned it, but mm-hmm. shall we knew way back when that something had clicked and went in a different direction than you know what we had definitely anticipated from him personally and professionally or you know through his career Mm -hmm. but yeah okay so we talked about um mental health therapy um what you can do to take care of your mental health and um is there anything else you wanted to add we're gonna get into our nurse's note here in just a sec but I wanted to add two things. One, I um, took a training maybe like a year ago, and it was about um, mental health and the importance of that as a nurse, because we, no matter where you work, mental health is a part of every specialty. We all have to deal with that. And one of the things, one of the most jarring things that I learned was that suicide is the second leading cause of death among children or people ages 10 to 24. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, 10, yeah. that blew my mind. I'm thinking mm-hmm. automobile accidents, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Um, the second leading cause of death. And so what that made me do is recognize the importance of parents and anybody who has their hand or their eye on our youth to make sure that we are protecting them and that we are always providing a safe space for them to to do our best at prevention. I feel like prevention is everybody's responsibility. And I mean, how I can't even imagine like being Mm -hmm. 10 and feeling so hopeless or so helpless that you think that is the only way your life has not even began to begin, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just, um, that was really important to me to say, because I don't think that everybody recognizes that it's a, it's a big issue among our youth. And so we have- Increasingly among black 
youth yes. and, and, you know, in the black community period, death by suicide yes. is on the rise among us. And that, you know, previously we ain't even going to get into stigma period, but stigma around death by suicide mm-hmm. yeah. is like, you know, black folks don't commit suicide. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. guess again. And I think a large part of those numbers, I did do a um, suicide training some years ago, but um, they spoke about people just being in pain, you know, whatever that pain is, they just want the pain to stop. stop. And in those moments, they don't see any other way out. And so I know it's a big, big issue um, within the LBGT community and children in the LBGT community who um, don't know where they fit Mm -hmm. and don't have a safe space um, among bullying children with, you know, being bullied, Mm-hmm. and all of these things and so I know personally I'm always very careful about um whatever my issues are or you know any homophobic things that I have to say or ways that I'm working with I'm always very very careful of my audience and how mm-hmm. I speak about those issues because I for one you never know who you're talking to (laughs) and you know you just don't know you don't know who your audience is and who hears you and how what your words um, may impact on someone else and I would hate for my words to impact someone else's kid you know I just that doesn't sit well with me at all um Mm -hmm. so i'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the biggest motivators for me bringing this up to you is that a podcast that i love 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 like crazy um one of the hosts spoke about how he had been really battling with suicidal ideation his entire life but during COVID, it's been like really really bad for Mm -hmm. him and so he spoke about that and was super duper vulnerable and I was like oh yeah we need to talk about this because this is a thing yeah so thank you for bringing that up but yeah even like insane committing suicide you know the language around it is changing yes because of the stigma so Mm -hmm. instead of saying someone committed suicide it's died by suicide Mm -hmm. or death by suicide instead yes that's true. Did I say I had another thing? Yeah, you said okay. you had to. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to say it. I, if you didn't remember, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> but because of what I do, because I of, remember. <laughs> because of um, you know, I'm a maternal child health nurse, I cannot not talk about um, perinatal mental health. And I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. I feel like we could have a whole other show about that. But it's important to recognize that Mamas, when you are growing a human, while you're growing the human, you might experience some perinatal mood disorders. Some women experience depression during pregnancy or anxiety or whatever during pregnancy. And we don't talk about it that much about during pregnancy. All we talk about is postpartum depression. And so every, any and everything that you can have when you're not pregnant you can have it when you're pregnant and you can have it after you're pregnant, maybe even magnified because your hormones are all over the place. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's important. We need, again, we need more providers in that specific space to help mamas when they have their babies, when they're growing these humans that we need to stay around and these mamas that we need to stay around. It's important 
to seek care. It's important for the village to be the village. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to keep our eyes on mamas, to keep our ears and our hands on mamas, to keep mamas lifted up and hold space for them so that if they find themselves feeling sad or lonely or depressed or anxious or out of control or whatever, right, that they have a safe space to feel that and not have any stigma attached to it or not feel that they are ungrateful. I mean, I've heard all kinds of crap. Okay, especially around that time period from, from people about a woman feeling depressed or, you know, whatever she's feeling, having a mood disorder in that perinatal period. And um, there are resources for that. And I'll make sure that we put them in the chat once mm-hmm. we are done. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, another thing, um, just speaking to that is as providers, we have to um, champion the conversation and not be afraid to bring it up. Yes. Because on assessment, we are to ask like really specific questions about um, have you had any thoughts of harming yourself? Have you had any thoughts of suicide or, you know, anything like that? And this, I have been in the room (laughs) during the assessments and I've heard people kind of brush over it, right? Or not ask at all. And I had a patient maybe a week or so ago um, who I was, I went through the assessment and asked her, you know, what's been going on and have you had any history of depression and yada yada and she said yeah when I was younger I did and you know whatever so I'm like okay well what about recently how you feeling and she said that her husband was killed in a car accident in December and I'm just like oh significant well have you and your provider talked about a plan you know because if you previously suffered from depression like the likelihood of you being depressed postpartum goes up Mm -hmm. and you just lost your partner, you know, the father of your baby. So understand that when this baby is born, there's a whole lot of things that's going to come rushing right, right back, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's very important to speak to your providers and not as some, you know, situation where they're going to throw you in a loony bin or whatever, but Um, so that we can surround you and try to provide you with resources and everybody can be on the lookout, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's okay to be open about those things and what may be plaguing you. Yep. Definitely. All right. So um, for the nurses, no, I just had some resources for us. Um, So Talkspace. Talkspace is the app that I used for therapy postpartum once I had my daughter and I was not physically able to move about Atlanta (laughs) the way I maybe would have liked or whatever. And then the cost was just way too high for me. So I logged on to Talkspace and that worked for me. So that is an app. Everybody Mm -hmm. got your phone in your hand, use it. Um, Also online, well, Liberate is another app that is... um, a black indigenous people of color app mm-hmm. where it has meditations and things like that that are speaking specifically to us so like with affirmations um, and healing affirmations that may deal with racism and that sort of stuff so I like to shout that out um, online the safe place is a resource therapy for black girls and then there's therapy for black men out there as well so you can go online and find find a provider Mm-hmm. You know, this is a whole database of people who look like you. Um, so you can go online and, and check some stuff out. Yeah. 
My Nurses Know is resources also. Um, I just have two online resources. The first one is PSI or Postpartum Support International. And the, you can just Google that or the website is postpartum.net. And they have a host of resources, not only for families. Um, of course, you could, you could be the, the patient or the person who's experiencing symptoms. You could be a support person or a grandmother, whatever, something like that. Um, and then there's also lots of um, resources for providers which they have posters and brochures and stuff like that that you can download and have available in your um, office or wherever you um, work and serve families. And then the other one is um, su the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that is a resource that's specifically for youth. And so, I, again, because of the jarring statistic about it being the second leading cause of death. I think it's important that they kind of have their own safe space, people who are trained specifically to talk to and deal with youth because, you know, they think differently than we do. They have needs than we do. And you can Google suicide prevention lifeline. And then we'll make sure that we put, I have the phone number here, but we'll just mm -hmm. go ahead and put it in the comments um, or as a little side note for people to have access to that in the event that you need it, which I think we should all have stuff like this on hand because you never know when you're going to need it. Mm -hmm. I just looked that up because that was going to be one of my other nurses. Notes. Okay. Oh, by the way, here's the number yeah. that you can call. Um, and it's, you can be, it can be found with a simple Google search, yep. you know, if you need help um, always, or if you are in like dire straits, you can call 911. Now there's stigma around that because you know, cops have, um, hurt, harmed, and killed people who were in a mental health crisis and they needed help and not, you know, like police intervention, so to speak. So I know a lot of us are leery about that, but and you know I that have called before for someone who was out of state and that I was fearful for them and their life and just the way that they were speaking. I called 911 mm -hmm. and said, hey, I have this person who I'm really concerned about. I need someone to go do a wellness check, mm -hmm. you know, to make sure. So that's different. A wellness check is different than saying somebody has threatened well, to. Right. No, I know that. So I'm just saying, I'm saying they went and just right, checked. Did a wellness you know? check. Right. Yeah. So I think that's important to, to differentiate because there's certain, depending on where you are, there's certain regulations or whatever where they will like like arrest you and hold you if you have threatened mm -hmm. suicide mm -hmm. so that can be a whole nother you know issue issue mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yes if you're going to call 911 I would agree call for a wellness check mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well I've said all that I have to say hopefully you guys um, found something this last what, hour and a half <laughs> that we've been on we talking again damn we could talk this was um, good though we needed to yeah, talk about this i hope you found something helpful and understand that your mental well-being is just important just as important as you know your physical being your physical self and understanding that you're all connected and so mm -hmm. one does not go before or without the other like your mind body and spirit are all together as one and if one is off then you're all off Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think I agree. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say your mind controls everything. So it, it actually might be more important. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. It kind of yeah. controls everything. Your brain yeah. is the powerhouse. The computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does everything. So yeah. you want to make sure it is healthy at all times. Yes. So if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at getsedated705 at gmail.com. We can be found on Insta and Twitter at conscious underscore sedation and on Facebook, if you just search Conscious Sedation Podcast, we will pop right up. We can be found on any of your networks um, where you get your podcasts. Again, I already spoke about this trauma that I'm having with uploading the episode that we did about education with my bestie Swin. Um, but I'm trying. I'm going to keep on working, but the rest of them are out there. So you guys, if you have any questions, let us know. We want to hear from you. Any topics or anything mm-hmm. like that, just let us know. We're going to get there. I promise. Yes. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Peace out.